Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. I'm no songwriter, but if I were to write a song, I think I, I would write something like that, except I would, I would add this to the bridge. When I don't feel like it, I'm going to worship you forever. When the pain is crippling, I'm going to worship you forever. When I'm depressed, I'm going to worship you forever. When I feel anxiety, I'm going to worship you forever. When I can't see what's next, I'm going to worship you forever. Because he's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our praise. Whether we feel like it or not. Whether we're going through it or not, he's worthy, he's worthy. When we don't know how we're going to make it, we're going to worship. The Bible says that in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. And how we fight our battles is differently. And what we just did, when we, when we mean what we just sang, spirit and in truth, man, the enemy runs. There is a study that they discovered. It's so cool when science actually discovers what the Bible already says. But there is a study that was that was conducted and the same part of your brain that causes you to worry and have depression and anxiety is the same part of your brain that causes you to give thanks and praise. So it's actually impossible to worry and have anxiety and and to have depression the same time you are praising. You can't do both at the same time. Well, what does the Bible say? It says, rejoice in the Lord always. It's in Philippians chapter four, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. And it says, don't be anxious for anything, but pray about everything through prayer, through through praise and supplication, present your request to God. Some translations say, through thanksgiving and praise, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So what the Bible says, it says through praise and supplication. When we do that, it invites the peace in. And I, I, I just believe, man, that in this moment, in this time, and, and God's here to meet with us, that we can walk out of here with the attitude of praise. That, that when those feelings come back, I feel like I need to be anxious. I'm going to stop and just praise. It doesn't mean you have to sing. Praise is the attitude of the heart. I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to praise the Lord in my heart. I'm going to thank the Lord. And when you thank the Lord, when you have that attitude of praise and th- supplication and thanksgiving, anxiety just, it can't go. Your brain can't do both. It's either one or the other. Father, I just thank you so much for your goodness and your grace and how much you love us and and how much you want to meet with us and how much you want to free us and how much you want to walk with us through everything life throws at us. Lord, there are people here today that are literally hurting physically. They need a touch in their body. There are people here today that their hearts are hurting. They, they're, they're hurting because of loss, because of, 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 of all different things, Lord. I pray right now, Lord, there are people here today that are worried about tomorrow. They don't know how, where, where they're going to buy groceries. They don't know how they're going to make it, Lord. You know. And so, Lord, in these moments, in these situations, Lord, you're such a personal God that you can meet with us right where we're at in every situation. And, Lord, I pray that you do. I pray that you turn that you turn sadness into gladness. Oh, God, I pray that you turn sorrow in, into rejoicing. Lord, though sorrow may last for the night, joy comes in the morning. Lord, where there is anxiety and fear, Lord Jesus, I pray that your peace that passes understanding will, will just erupt in people's minds. Lord Jesus, those who are facing physical needs where where knees don't want to bend or they they just have pain for no reason, Lord, I just pray for for complete healing. I 
I thank you that you hear us and that you always hear us and that you're a God that shows up. In the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen, 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 amen. You may be seated. And I, a couple things I want to say is, man, thank you, worship team, for leading us into the presence of God. Thank you, guys. We are blessed to have such a team. Um, I've been in multiple churches, and not all worship teams lead us to the presence of God. And um, some worship teams, like to, they like the light to be on them, but our worship team, I would say, is they redirect very quickly. It's about Jesus, and um, I know Pastor Andy, and he would never, ever want to ever take any attention away from the glory, and honestly, he's not much to look at, so I mean, like, oh, come on, like, uh, it's like a backhanded compliment, you know, like, no, we are very blessed here at at C1 to have a worship team that leads us to the presence of God, and uh, I'm fortunate, and you guys are fortunate that I don't have to sing. Because, yeah, that, that would be bad. You would be praying, Lord, take me home. <laughs> take, take me, Lord. And the second thing I want to address is, um, it is a little warm in here. It's because we're talking about hell today. And I want, I'm joking, it's not. Uh, uh, I don't have to talk about hell. Um, God turned up the thermostat in Tennessee, and we have a couple units that decided to throw a fit. And so this room actually has to have four units to cool it off because I'm full of hot air. The longer I talk, the more I talk. The, so we're going to try to get through this. Um, I want to say thank you for being here. It's going to be a great day. I have one announcement I wanted to make. Um, Pastor Nathan thought it would be awkward to make this announcement because it's about him. Um, so August 12th at 2 p.m., the Tosh family wants to invite you guys to a baby shower. We are going to be celebrating Noah Tosh at 2 p.m. right here at, at C1. So it's going to be a great time of fellowship, celebrating little Noah. I'm excited. I can't wait to meet little Noah. He's already huge um, because uh, Pastor Nathan is a, is a big one. And, and so, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I can't wait to meet little Noah. We just, I'm so excited uh, that uh, uh, Noah is an answer to prayer and uh, so the Tosh family wanted to cordially invite the church um, at the baby shower August 12th at 2 p.m. 2 p.m. They will be accepting checks and cash and no, <laughs> I'm just make them out to me. I'll make sure they get, I'm just joking. I'm joking. I actually have a rule. I actually have a rule that I don't I don't take money when people like, hey, I just want to give this to the, the church. I'm like, nope, here, here is a person you can give it to. I don't I don't touch money. So. Uh, yeah, with that said, we are wrapping up this series, What Does That Really Mean? And uh, this series, I've really loved this series. I, I can't speak for you. How many of you guys have enjoyed this series, What Does That Really Mean? I've enjoyed it, man. Like, like just thinking through things that we say in church that we might not know what they, like, like some of us might have a working idea over here and your working idea over here might be different, but then we kind of like, okay, what does it really mean? And come to a, a corporate understanding and also, man, it's just been illuminating. I've loved it. I might take and make this our summer series every year. I, I don't know because there's like this series can go on and on. And I have a really, uh, like it's a gift of the Holy Spirit, really. It's not listed in the Bible, but I have this ability to turn like a four-week series into a 10-week series, and we are in week, week 10 of this series. Um, so uh, it was only supposed to be four weeks. And with, with that said, we are going to be looking at this phrase today, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Woo! That's, that, that gets me fired up. How many of you guys have ever heard that phrase? Yeah, I think everyone. How many of you guys have ever quoted that phrase to yourself? Yeah, I have, for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a very churchy phrase. But we're going to talk about it. Let's look at the context, because Jesus actually said that. Let's look at the context of why he said it. And sometimes I think, like, when we think about freedom, we actually don't have the proper understanding of biblical freedom. So, with that said... I'm going to tell you a few jokes. Uh, 
yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's, at this point, it's a filthy habit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I'm getting heckled. Now I feel like I should like, just heckle back, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not. Cause, but a little girl finally got to attend a wedding for the first time. She'd been waiting her whole life. She just wanted to see the pageantry of the wedding. And while, while in the church, the little girl asked her mommy, why is the bride dressed in white? And well, obviously the mother knew that it represents purity and all these other things, but she was trying to tell her little five-year-old girl something that she would understand and without getting to having to redefine, like, well, what does purity mean and all this stuff? So the mom goes, well, it's because white is the color of happiness and it's the happiest day of her life today. So after a little bit, the little girl sat there quietly and started looking at the, all the people in the wedding. And she looks up at her mother and says, well, if the bride's dressed in white and that represents happiness, why then is the groom wearing black? <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. I wore gray, so I was... <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, it's, it's dumb. I know. I, I know. I know they're dumb. I'll tell you a dad joke in between. I have another joke I wanted to read. I'll, I'll tell you a dad joke. I have a Polish friend who is a, uh, a sound tech. Like, he, he runs a soundboard, and I have a Czech one, too. <laughs> Czech one, too. Get a Czech one, too. Come on, this is stupid. Why? Why would he say that? During Sunday school... During a Sunday school lesson, a child learned about God, how God created human beings. The child became especially focused when the teacher explained how Eve was created from Adam's rib, ribs. Later in the week, the boy's mother saw him lying on the floor, so she asked him, what is wrong? He, his reply was priceless. Mom, I have a pain in my side. I think I'm getting a wife. I'm just, oh, come, so, come on. Uh, like, that's, Amy is not a pain in my side. Sometimes she's a pain in my neck. But in her defense, I'm always a pain in her neck. So, I, I'm, I'm very blessed. I'm very blessed. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm done with jokes. They're horrible. They're dumb. So, today we're going to look at freedom. And you might think, well, we're American. We invented freedom. We didn't actually. We've mastered it, but no, I'm joking. We haven't even done that. It's a, it's a learning curve. But sometimes we think, because we're American, honestly, we kind of think we have the market cornered on freedom. Because like when you think about the American flag, you like, I, I, I think of freedom. I think about, well, you know, that's what's ingrained in us, right? Well, Jesus actually is the author of freedom. And he always has been. And so this is how one of those things that I've learned that anything that inhibits freedom is demonic. So when our government tries to overreach and take away freedom, it's really actually demonic because God is the author of freedom. He's the author of free choice. He, 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 he loves freedom. We've, we've, we've heard messages about freedom in Christ. We've quoted the scriptures, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It is for freedom He set us free. The reason why I know these scriptures so well is because I've quoted them to myself so many times. Because as a teenager, going into my early 20s, I was so addicted to pornography that it consumed my life. And I didn't understand what freedom was. And I was so confused to the point where in my teenage years... I almost committed suicide because I felt so much shame and condemnation. And I would yell these scriptures out. Whom the sun sets free. Why God? Am I still struggling with this? Like, have you not set me free? The expectation in my life was wrong. My understanding was wrong. So... I can tell you, you know, I, I can't be the only one, I can, but I can only speak for myself. I can't, I can't speak for you guys. 
But I can't tell you how many times I've come up to an altar, cried my eyes out, and weeped and said, made promises to the Lord. I'll never do that again, and I'll never, I'll never make that mistake again. And, and, you know, and out of the sincerity of my heart, and I knew that I knew that I knew that God's word is true. I know that is true. From in the beginning to amen in Revelations, it's all true. So if God says whom the Son sets free is free indeed, that means I am free. But, but why is my experience different than my reality? The reality is I'm free from the power of sin and death. But my experience is I'm struggling with this. And I didn't know what to talk to. And I didn't understand that confession is actually a really good thing. I kept it to myself because I was so ashamed because a good Christian boy shouldn't be struggling with these things. You guys are looking at me like, oh, man, he's getting real. And then, you know, and it's so interesting that we undermine confession in the church because uh, <laughs> confession is... Uh, is actually the catalyst that brings about godly freedom. But the enemy wants to keep us in darkness. So I'm going to look at a section of scripture in John, chapter 8, 31 through 47. I'm, I'm reading the NLT. And then I'm going to look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and then 13 and 15. And then we're going to sprinkle in some more verses later. But we're going to look at what it means to be free in Christ. We're going to have an old Pentecostal service where it's really hot, you guys didn't bring your fans, sorry. I see, like, he gets it, he gets it, yeah, he's, he brought a hat, smart. Like, you guys can actually use the connect cards, and if you're a guest, just when you get done, just fill it out. Um, that's like, that, that's the only requirement. If you're not a guest, you can put it back. All right, all right, all right, all right, stop, stop it. We're back, we're back here, verse 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. It's so interesting. So here, here's a Bible study tip. If Jesus says, I tell you the truth, double pay attention. Because every word that flowed from the mouth of God is true. But when he emphasizes the truth, or he says, let all that have ears, let them hear, pay attention even more. And that's what he's saying, because this is true. It's not like he's saying, well, no, no, what I said before wasn't true. No, now he's like, doubling down everyone who sins is a slave to sin a slave is not a permanent member of the family but a son is a part of the family forever so if the son sets you free you are truly free whom the son sets free is free indeed now we have the context yes i realize that you are descendants of abraham and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message I am telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are following the advice of your father. And Jesus is about to get salty. He's about to be salt in a wound. He is about to rub them the wrong way. Jesus was not a ball of cotton candy. He was sandpaper. He was a sword. He did not come to make peace. He came to wage war. And he's about to wage war on religion and legalism, and he's calling them out. Our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Jesus replied, for if you were really children of Abraham, you would follow this example. Instead, you are trying to kill me because I told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you are imitating your real father. They replied, we aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Now they're getting really self-righteous with Jesus, which is a, kind of an oxymoron. Jesus told them, if, you were, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. 
Why can't you understand what I am saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are children of your father, the devil. Yeah, he really said that. Oh, but, but no, Jesus is supposed to say, like, for God, for, uh, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Yeah, no, he, he had some pretty straightforward things to say. In fact, did you know this? Just random fact. Jesus talked more about hell than any other person in the New Testament. Like, so, yeah, that's bonus. And you love to do evil things, he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen to me because you don't belong to God. That's, that's pretty deep. So we're going to jump over and talk about Jesus. Is, he's kind of defining what freedom does. Freedom opens our eyes. Freedom, freedom opens our eyes to truth. Freedom opens our eyes to multiple things. And so when when he's dealing with these people, he's addressing the fact that they are captive to lies. It's kind of interesting. When I read this, I can't help but think about our society and how we so blatantly believe lies off the news, off of all these things, and then we try to shoot down truth. And when someone comes out and actually says truth, they stand on truth. What, what does our society do? They do what the Pharisees do. They call it illegitimate. They call it lies. They call it all sorts of things. I mean, just for example, I mean, it's like God just give, give, gave me an example. Just go look up Sound of Freedom, the movie. Like, it's truth. And what are they doing? Oh, it's conspiracy theory. It's, it's, uh, it's a plot. It's, uh, they're shooting it down. Because the truth is confronting their sin. And truth will always confront sin. But truth will also set you free from sin. So, um, but how, how does the freedom work? Because sometimes we, we have a wrong idea of what freedom is. So I, I want to look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 1. And we're going to jump down to 13 and 15. It's in the message. Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. So, right there, just verse 1, I'm going to stop. It's kind of interesting. When the Bible talks about slavery, he's not actually talking about what we think of slavery. He's talking about slavery to a legal, like, like, to a religious system, slavery to doing um, rules to follow God, slavery to sin, slavery to working our way to God. That's what he's talking about. It's slavery to try to work your way to God. It's interesting how we use these freedom verses to actually talk about slavery of the person. And if that's the case, then why did all the apostles get put in prison? If whom the Son sets free is free indeed, and then suddenly they're put in prison. Because the freedom that God offers has nothing to do with our physical bodies. In fact, the Bible actually has letters to slaves that says, Obey your masters, for it honors God. People who were owned by other people. It's not that God wanted slaves. He didn't. But what he was saying is... The freedom that God offers sets you free for eternity, though your, your life here might not change because he sets you free from the power of sin and death. It's so interesting how we take things out of context and we, make, and we Americanize scripture. And that's not what it's talking about at all. 
If it was, he would say, rebel! But the Bible actually says every nation that, re- every, everything that begins in rebellion will fall. Like, oh, how did our nation start? I forgot. It's, it's like, it's, God says no. Freedom, it's a freedom of the heart. He wants you, that means, if, like Paul, if you are in chains, if you are in prison, if you are a sl- physical slave, you can still be free. You can still be free. Your mind can be free. Your actions can be free. Like, though they might beat you, they can't take your joy. Though they might, they might like, um, imprison you, they can't take your freedom. Because it's not about physical freedom. It's about spiritual freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from death. Freedom from the grave. We're not going to stay in the ground. So we jump down to verse 13 through 15. It says, It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Whoa! That means you can be in Christ, be completely set free, and turn around and choose to sin and destroy your freedom. Because you'll put yourself back into bondage. But God gives, that's freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That's a true act of freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out in no time at all. You will be annihilated you will be annihilating each other and where is your precious freedom then so i want to give you three thoughts today about freedom about jesus's freedom to get to get our minds like okay what what does jesus's freedom do for us jesus's freedom opens our eyes to truth opens our eyes to truth jesus's freedom opens our eyes to truth too often in my walk i thought freedom was not being in captivity. I thought freedom was never struggling with sin. And now that's a, that's a very ambitious and noble goal, right? If, I were, if you were to ask me, do you ever want to sin again? I would say, no, I don't. I truly can say that. I never want to sin again. Why? Because I know it grieves God. It grieves the Holy Spirit in me. I don't want to grieve my father. I love him. He's, he's, he's my, the love of my life. And if I were to ask you, if you're in Christ, and I say, do you ever want to sin again? No. I never want to. But we can't. We, we, we can't keep... The, uh, it's impossible not to. So we set a goal for ourselves that's impossible to keep. And then what happens? Then we beat ourselves up for not keeping it. When God never actually set that goal for us. He set us free from sin, period. Knowing that we would struggle, our, our flesh would still struggle with sin, but we are a new creation in Christ. We are born again when we put our faith in Christ. So what does God do? What does God do? He sets our minds free from the lies of the enemy. So what happens? Here, here he's talking to, in, in, this, in this section of scripture where he's defining the truth will set you free and whom the sun sets free is free indeed, he's talking about being set free from lies. He's literally saying you will be set free and the truth will set you free. And what do these religious people retaliate with? They retaliate, we've never been a slave. We're descendants of Abraham. Well, that's a lie. There's a whole book of the Bible called Exodus, number two book. It's about their 400 years of slavery in Egypt. If you guys ever go to Egypt and see the pyramids, you can thank the Israelites because they built them. 400 years of slavery in Egypt, saying we've never been slaves to anyone. They lie about their past. And truth confronts lies. And he said, no, that's not true. You will know the truth. So when that's how like, as Christians, when we hear stuff and we are, when we are rooted in Christ and we just hear things, like, well, that's not true. 
because God leads us to all truth. We know the truth will set us free. And so God's, Jesus' freedom grinds against lies. It opens our eyes to truth. And, the, and, and when you're so blinded to the truth and you believe lies are true, you can't see it. You can't see it to save your life. And all you do is you double down. You double down like they did. They just kept doubling down. They kept doubling down. Well, God is, first they were saying, Abraham's our father. Then they doubled down. Well, God is our father. And Jesus is saying, no, if, if God was your father, you would love me. But you don't love me. Your father is Satan because he's a father of lies. And if, you, and if you're doubling down a lie, that means you might not be the son of God or a daughter of God. Because Jesus' freedom opens your eyes to truth. Man, we have people out here saying, oh, it's okay to... We have Christians, I say Christians with quotation marks. Oh, it's, it's okay to have abortions, it's okay, it's okay. That is a lie. We have a society that does not know the truth. If God created them while they were... He formed them in the womb. God does not make mistakes. But they don't want to hear the truth because it grinds against the lie that's been ingrained in people. But truth will set you free when you finally embrace it. It sets your mind free. Jesus spoke such simple truth and it grinded against their lies. Part of the reason Jesus' freedom is so powerful and amazing is the fact that it doesn't ignore the truth. It actually helps us recognize the truth of, of like, hey, you know, the fact that they're slaves is not probably something they're proud of. No people wants to be proud of that. But it doesn't ignore that but it changes the future. So what does that look like for us? Man, I am a wreck. I'm a wreck. I am an addict. I am an alcoholic. I, I, when we start recognizing the very things that we are, we, we can come before God honestly. You know, that's what it looks like for us. I can't, de I can't deny that I was addicted to porn. I can say, oh, I never dealt with that. I can lie and believe that lie and know the truth, but then I'll be captive to the lie. I know the truth. Or I can say, you know what? I was addicted to this, but seven years of my life, I'm 35 now. I'm not going to let seven years define my whole life. I can, I, I can acknowledge my past. I can acknowledge the truth. Hey, I was a wreck. I almost committed suicide. I struggle with depression. I don't have it all together. And then suddenly that opens our mind to like, hey, that's truth. I am a wreck. I don't have it all together. I was addicted to this. I, and then suddenly we come to, before the Lord and it's like, oh, that's all I needed. You, you bring yourself humbly to the Lord and suddenly you recognize like, hey, wait a second. I need a savior. I need a, I need a Lord. I need Jesus. Because I can't put my life together on my own. But as long as we deny the truth, we won't need Jesus. So Jesus' freedom opens your eyes to truth. So when you, when you let the Holy Spirit reveal things in your life, and you say, okay, that is true. I am a wreck. Man, me running my life is a complete disaster. I need to surrender to Jesus. Oh, that is true. I, I am not a great, you know, whatever it is, you bring that to the Lord, you repent, and it's done. He starts working on you. And the truth will set you free. You can't work on things that you fail to recognize. And God can't work on things in your life that you fail to recognize. He's, he's so gentle with us that he will never course correct us in the sense that we don't surrender, in areas we don't surrender. If we're not willing to surrender an area or recognize the truth of an area in our life, God is so gentle, he's going to wait until that area gets out of hand and you recognize the truth, and then the truth will set you free.
But here's the thing. When, when we rec start recognizing truth in our life, the areas that we need the Lord, the enemy gets really subtle with how he attacks us. It won't be so blatant, especially for those who are repentant. Because he knows how to deceive people. He knows how to attack people. He knows how. He knows how. And so he'll get you to fall into temptation and sin. And then he'll say, hey, no one will know. He'll, the same voice that tempts you is the same voice that condemns you. And then he'll even, he might even use scripture. That's the crazy thing. Like Satan will use scripture to condemn you. Well, the Bible says we who are in Christ, like, we are dead to sin. We should no longer sin at all. And this is why it's so important to know the truth. Because Satan used scripture with Jesus. And he actually used it quite accurately, if that makes sense. But how he used it was wrong. In, in the sense that his tone was wrong. Because Jesus knew the tone of the Father. He knew the heart of the Father. So when, when Satan used Scripture to tempt Jesus, Jesus knew the truth because he knew the heart of the Father. And he's like, that, that doesn't sound like my Father. And that's why it's so important. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes through the Father but through me. So if we know Jesus, we know his heart. We know how he works. We know, we know like, oh, wait. This scripture sounds like condemnation, so that's not the heart of the Father. What does the Father say? No, come to me. Hey, I know you messed up. Come on. Come on. Pick yourself up. Come over here. The enemy wants you to think the Father is like, I can't believe you did that. I, is this how you're going to use my freedom? Oh, yours. Like, that's how the enemy wants the Father to sound. And that's how he tries to make the Father to sound. But that's not how the Father... That's why it's so important that we know the heart of the Father. That we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. And when you know the heart of the Father, you'll be set free from the, the, the words of condemnation. When you screw up, and you will sin, make no mistake, you are going to sin. It might be today, it might be tomorrow, it might be a year from now. If you make it a year without sinning, you will probably have a halo around your head. I'm not going to lie. But you will, you're going to. But you've got to stand like, no still free from sin because it's not about me it's about what jesus did my freedom's not based on my action it's based on his i'm still free and so what else does jesus freedom it opens our eyes to truth it allows us to recognize where we need him it allows us to to recognize the lies of the enemy it allows us to recognize when he misquotes scripture to us or quotes it accurately to us because it allows us to know the heart of god you want, that's what Jesus was saying. You don't know the Father. You have no intimacy with the Father because if you knew the Father, you would know me. They didn't know the truth. But the truth will set you free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed because he leads us to truth. Jesus' freedom opens our eyes to truth. Jesus' freedom opens our eyes to sin. Jesus' freedom opens our eyes to sin. Jesus is the light of the world. The Bible says in 1 John, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. What does light do to darkness? It disperses it. In fact, the very definition of darkness is the absence of light. So it doesn't even have a definition. It's just, it's the absence of, of something. Darkness isn't anything. And so what, what happens is, the more we get close to Jesus who is light, the more it reveals the darkness in us. And it, and it disperses this darkness. And, and, and I don't know if you guys have ever walked through a kid's room in the dark. That's the scariest thing in the world. Because you can stop. You, like, it's, I've learned that if I walk, like, we, we have nightlights in my kids' rooms. Like, because there's Legos, there's things that will make you lose your salvation for a split second. If you step on them, like, like. There, there are things I've stepped on in my son's room that has caused PTSD. That's why we have, we, we have nightlights in our room. So, so, so we can see the traps, so we can see 
the, the things on the floor. And, and that's, that's what God does. And, and in the nightlight, the closer the things are to the light, the better you can see them. And so when we get close to Jesus, there are things that we shouldn't have in our life. And how God cleans us up is he doesn't do it all at once. The enemy, and, and how do we get close to Jesus? How, how do we let the light into our life? That's the question. How do we, how do we get, get the light to shine on our sin so we can see it? Because we all said, I don't want to sin again. Well, how do we do that? We, we get close to Jesus and we confess. We confess our sins to God. We confess our sins to God to be free from the power of sin in our life. We confess our sins one to another to be free, to be free from the habit of sin in our life. So we confess. When we confess, it actually rips a play out of the enemy's playbook. Because all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he goes from making you feel condemnation because like no one knows about this, I can't believe you did this, then you confess your sin, and he has no power over you anymore. You brought it to the light. You brought it. The Bible says God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. If we, if we, say, we, sin, if we say we have no sin, we don't know God, and then it says, but if, if, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So when we confess our sins, we're bringing it to the light, especially to one another. I'm not saying, hey, we're going to get up and have a confession session. We're not doing that. Find people that are men and women of God in your life that you can confess and confide to these things that you need to bring to the light so you can walk in freedom. James says we, we confess our sins one to another so we can be healed. Sin is a wound to your soul so you can be healed. And so we confess and it brings it to the light. And suddenly we don't feel condemnation. You know, the day I was so scared. I confessed, I confessed an addiction to my to my sweet mate in college, I was so scared that he would judge me, that he would, the enemy was saying, don't say a word, keep the secret. You are, everyone thinks you have your life to get all these things. And as soon as I confessed it, all those lies weren't even true. He was like, dude, I got you, man. I've struggled with that too. And suddenly that was the moment that was the moment I discovered this is what freedom feels like. This is what free, like, I didn't feel condemnation because suddenly I understood grace. This is why I needed mercy and grace. It was so amazing. So Jesus' freedom opens our eyes to sin. So we confess it. We bring it to him because he's light. The enemy wants us to think that God's so disappointed and we let him down. The reality is you weren't holding him up. That's why he came and died. When my kids are messy, when they, when they get covered in mud or dirt, I don't go get a fire hydrant and hose them off because that would hurt them. Some of us think that's how God cleans us up, that he does it so hard that it hurts us. No, what I do is I go get a hose and I, I wash them off. And you know, so often it, it, it turns into like they squirt me, I squirt them, and it, you know, all that stuff. Because our Father wants us to come to Him. Our Father wants us to come to Him. That's what Jesus' freedom does. It makes us realize we have a loving Father that isn't afraid to get dirty because He already did. God made Him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ. So he gives us his righteousness and he took our sin. And so he's saying, come to me. Come to me. Jesus' freedom is a process. It's a lifelong process of denying yourself, dying to ourselves, and living for Jesus. I once heard it said like this. We aren't who we were, so keep rejoicing. We're not yet who God's made us to be, so keep repenting. Jesus' freedom opens our eyes to see truth. Jesus' freedom opens our eyes to see sin in our life. And that's not a bad thing. That's a great thing because sin leads to death. He's not trying to condemn you. He's trying to help you and save you. We are free. We are being set free. And we will be set free. That's how Jesus' freedom works. You're completely free in Christ. You are being set free in Christ. 
and you will be set free in Christ. The last thing I want to leave with you before I start to melt from sweat. Jesus' freedom opens our eyes to our need for him. There was a spark in my mind. I was on a missions trip to England, and I, you know, you grow up singing songs about the land of the free and the home of the brave and all these things in America, and you know, you never really take into consideration what fr- freedom truly is. The Bible talks about what freedom is. It just straight says it says, "Don't use your freedom to choose sin." But I was at a their version of Walmart over there, and I was just walking along, and I got into a, uh, the, how many, how many of you guys like cereal? Okay, I'm a cereal junkie, dude. I love cereal. I could eat it every day, several times a day for the rest of my life. I love cereal. I just love it so much. It's a, it's, it's an addiction. It's a problem. Um, I have to actually cut my, my cereal out so my kids can actually have something to eat in the morning before school. I'll look at it, I'm like, do I have enough for both of them to get two small bowls? <laughs> I, come on. I'm not the only dad in the room. I love cereal. And what, like, and the cool thing about cereal here in America is you walk into the cereal aisle and there's Honey Nut Cheerios and then there's like eight variations of Honey Nut Cheerios and they're all different brands and then you walk up to the Frosted Flakes, come on, somebody, and you're like, dude, like, there's Frosted Flakes, now there's Chocolate Frosted Flakes, and now there's, like, there, there's a million different variations, there's Honey Bunches of Oats, there's a million different variations and off-brands and knockoffs, there's, honey, there, there, there's Honeycomb, I, I could go on, I love Honeycomb, like, I, my favorite cereal is the tricks, but not the little, one, the ball ones, I like, the, I like the ones that are shaped like fruit, because it makes me feel better about me eating it, um, but I know, I know that it's like tricks are for kids, but I'm a kid at heart and I love tricks. And like, but like now they're like made with 35% less sugar. I'm like, dude, what is wrong with our nation? Put the sugar back in it and let the kids be happy. Um, you're like, cut, cut, cut out the red 40, but put the sugar back in at least. And so I'm like, you're ruining my childhood, Kellogg. Um, but I love, but we have like a million different versions of cereal. We have like an aisle and a half of, that is as wide as our church of cereal. But in England, they have like four choices. I was like, well, no wonder these people just like salt and vinegar. They don't know what flavor tastes like. Like, my gosh, I was so blown away. I was like, this is supposed to be a free nation. They're living like communists. Like, but it occurred to me, that's what freedom is. It's a choice. God comes into our life and sets us free from the power of sin and death and hell. That's done. Whom the Son sets free is free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Those are true statements. You can take them to the bank. You can stand on them. When temptation comes at you, you can say, no, I am free. But you still have to choose freedom. God does not force you to walk in freedom. You know what sinners do? They sin. That's their choice. They, they, they don't, I mean, they, they don't have a choice. They don't have a choice of choosing righteousness. Their, their natural overflow of their life is sin. It produces sin. As a follower of Jesus that is born again, I am a new creation in Christ. If you put your faith in Christ, you are a new creation. You have a choice. You have freedom because God gave, gives you choice. Don't use your freedom. To choose sin, Galatians says. 1 Timothy 6.11, it says, But you, man of God, run for your life from all this. Know what he's talking about? He's talking about money. He's talking about wickedness. He's talking about, he's talking about um, sin. He's saying, but you, man of God, run from all this. And it says, 
pursue a righteous life. Some translations say, choose righteousness. But you, man of God, flee from all this and choose righteousness. Though you are a born-again believer, you still have to make a decision. I'm going to choose to follow Jesus. I'm going to choose freedom. Pursue a righteous life of wonder, faith, love, steadiness, and courtesy. Run hard and fast in the faith. Seize the eternal life, the life you were called to, the life you so fervently embraced in the presence of so many witnesses. You were completely righteous and holy before God, but day in and day out, we still have to choose righteousness. When we're in Christ, we don't want to sin anymore. Like Our, our habits change. Like, like some of us can remember it. There are things that we did before we are in Christ that you just don't want to do the closer you get to Jesus. Like, I don't know why. I just don't want this because it's the Holy Spirit making you like Jesus. And the closer we are to Christ, his freedom, realize, he makes us realize how much we need him. Because when we do, it hits us so hard. Because it's not who we are anymore. We realize we chose the wrong thing. We used our freedom to do something we shouldn't have done. So we come back to the Father. And some of us feel like, and this is where we're stuck in our walk with God. We feel like when we sin, God is so mad at us. How many of you guys have ever felt that? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so half of us are honest. How many of you guys have ever lied? <laughs> and we feel like God is so angry at us. But that's not what relationship does. The expectation is not to sin, but we will sin. And so we feel like God's let us down. But what, we, what, what, what religion and legalism says is this. When we sin, God's mad at you. Your father's mad at you. Don't, like, he's going to kill you. Don't tell him. Hey, kind of get to yourself. Get don't say anyone to anything this will all blow over and that's what legalism and that's what religion says that's and what's crazy is the enemy doesn't have to say it he uses our own minds to say it. he he, he lets us trap ourselves with with within religion and legalism and the enemy will use that he's like oh god's so disappointed in you he's so mad at you i can't believe you did that the same voice that tempts you is the same voice that condemns you but what relationship says, this is what relationship says. Oh, man, I screwed up. I messed up big time, God. I blew. I fell into temptation. I got to talk to my father. The first thing we do is we run to our father. And we discover that he has arms wide open. He already knows. Get, get this. He already knows you messed up. He already knows you fell into temptation. He already knows. And get this, he already knew you were going to. And he didn't change his mind about you. It says in 1 John 1, 8 through 10, if we claim we're sin-free, we're only fooling ourselves. And get this, we sometimes quote this when we think it's speaking to sinners. It's actually to the church. So this is for people who have a relationship with Jesus. And I, I want you to hear this because this is John. At the end of his life, he's writing to a church and he's writing to believers. And we need to hear this. It's in 1 John 1, 8 through 10. If we claim we're sin-free, we're only fooling ourselves. A claim like that is errant nonsense. On the other hand, if we admit our sins, simply come clean about them, he won't let us down. He'll be true to himself. He'll forgive our sins and purge us from all wrongdoing. If we claim we have never sinned, we are out and out contradicting God. And we make him out for a liar. A claim like that only shows our ignorance of God. 
The truth will set you free. We recognize the truth. We are sinners. We will sin. We're going to mess up. But when we sin, God is faithful and just to forgive. We, the first thing we do is um, Jesus' freedom helps us realize we need him so much more. Oh, man, I need a merciful God. I need, I need Jesus because guess what? I'm a wreck without him. I'm, I'm messed up without him. I'm going to destroy myself without him. But Jesus, but Jesus, we confess our sins to God and he keeps his word. Literally, the first thing we should do is run to the Father. The enemy says he's disappointed. You let him down for the last time. He wants nothing to do with you. But Jesus says, no, run to me. I'm faithful and true. I will forgive you every single time. I don't care if you mess up a hundred times today. He's going to forgive you. Run to the Father when you mess up. That's what freedom looks like. We recognize our need for the Father. We choose righteousness, but every now and then we will mess up. We don't want to, but we will. God, I went so long. I can't, I'm so sorry. God knows your heart. Just go to him. God, forgive me, I screwed up. He's like, oh, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. The enemy wants us to walk with our heads low and beat up thinking we aren't free because he knows what happens when our conscience consciences are clear and free from sin he wants us to think condemnation all the time he wants us to be beat up all the time he wants us to always approach the father with a condemned mind we 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 believe we believe the word right we do we believe jesus died on the cross between two sinners how many believe that all of us do. Why do you believe that? Why? Anyone? Be, be, because it's in the Bible, right? You believe that Jesus died on the cross between two thieves because the Bible says, right? Know what else the Bible says? It says, whom the Son says free is free indeed. It says, you are dead to your old self. It says that you have been crucified with Christ. It says that the Spirit of the Lord, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. It says that you're more than a conqueror. The same word that says, that we so easily agree with and believe, says you are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. The enemy wants us to walk in our old identity, condemned held to a standard we can't hold up. And Jesus is saying no, because the enemy knows that when we fully embrace who we are, that we are free in Christ, that his word remains. Though I don't feel like it sometimes, his word is true. Though I sometimes screw up, his word is true. Though I might still stumble and fall, his word is true. The enemy knows that when we have this confidence, stuff changes. I'm gonna read something to you. It's 1 John chapter 3, 19 through 22, and some of us need to hear this today. Our actions will, so, will show that we belong to the truth. The truth will set you free. <laughs> so we will be confident when we stand before God. And then get this. Some translations say heart. It says, even if our heart condemns us. Here it says, even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings. And he knows everything. What it's saying is, Hey, you might feel guilty, but God knows your heart. You might feel crummy. I can't believe I did that again. God's like, I know your heart. I know you love me. I know you didn't want to do that. I know you made a mistake. I love you. God's greater than your heart. Even though you feel guilty, God's greater than your feelings. And he knows everything. Dear friends, but here's the thing. This is why the enemy wants you to feel condemned. This is why the enemy wants you to feel condemnation and not walk in your freedom and not embrace the freedom that God so freely gives. It's because of this. It says, dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, it didn't say if we don't, if, if we aren't guilty, all of us are guilty. The only reason we're, we're righteous is because of Jesus. The only thing we attributed to our salvation is our sin. So, I mean, we're all guilty, but it says if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. And get this, get this, get this. We will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him 
and we do the things that please him. When you walk in your freedom, you say, you know what? I am free because Christ. I'm still a mess, but he's changing me. He's, he's, he's working on me, and I'm going to walk in my freedom. I'm going to accept the fact that I am free in Christ. That's not, that's not a future thing. Jesus completely set me free, and he's working out the details. When you, when you stand in that, you can come before God with bold confidence. And guess what? Your prayer life is going to change. Because you know how we pray when we feel condemned? Oh, God, forgive me. You'll say, God, forgive me a million times in one day. Because all you can think about is your past mistakes. But when you walk in bold confidence, you start praying kingdom mind and prayers. God, grow your church. God, give me opportunities to share the gospel. God, I pray for that family that lives on my street. You start praying king. And then God starts answering your prayers. It's not that he doesn't answer God. You're forgiven. The, first, the moment you say, God, forgive me, you're forgiven. Move on. Walk in confidence. God's not condemning you. I'm so sick of the church walking in condemnation and not embracing freedom. God wants us to be free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You are free in Christ because of what he did, not because of what you did. You're free in Christ because of the resurrection. You're free in Christ because he's all powerful. You're free in Christ because he loves you. You're free in Christ. Now accept it. Walk in confidence. Man, when the church wakes up to this, their prayer life is going to change. You're going to start praying things to honor the Lord. You're going to start praying big prayers. You're going to start, I mean, it's going to change everything. The Bible straight says, straight says, and we will receive from him whatever we ask. Why? Because we're walking in our freedom. We're, we're, we're not walking in condemnation. We have a right understanding of our relationship to our father. He's my father. I'm his son. He loves me. And I love him. It's that simple. Some of us. Some of us need to start the catalyst moment. The catalyst moment for me was confession. You know, it's so interesting. The very thing I was so afraid of that people would judge me for. Quite frankly, I don't care whether they judge me. I can't change my past. But I used to think, man, people will, I'll never have a future in ministry because I was addicted to pornography. I'll never have, God will never use me because I'm so tainted. Uh, like to the point where I literally, I was going to kill myself between my junior and senior year in high school. And know what kept me? I kept going to the Father. I kept reading the Bible. I would make a plan. I kept reading the Bible. And it's so interesting that the very thing I thought disqualified me, the Lord has used to help other people get free. I can't tell you how many students have come to me and say, I deal with the same thing. I'm like, hey, this is the start. That's that moment. Confess your sins one to another so that you can be healed. It starts the process. We are free, we are being set free, and we will be set free. God hasn't changed his mind about you. He hasn't, he hasn't, um, um, he, he still called you, he still anointed you, he still loves you, and he knew that you're gonna screw up, and guess what? He knows what you're gonna do tomorrow, he knows what you're gonna do a year from now, and he still hasn't changed his mind about you. He knows. Some of us need to confess some things today and start the process and the road to freedom. Maybe you don't feel comfortable confessing it to me or, or Pastor Amy or Pastor Nathan. That's okay. You do need to pray and find someone that you can have confidentiality with that's a believer and confess. You need to have someone that you can confess things to. It's the body. That's how healing starts. Some of us need to just make a declaration 
whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I am free because of Jesus, and I believe it. God, forgive me for not believing your word and taking you at your word. Some of us just need to do that and let the Holy Spirit change the way we think about ourselves. Father, I pray right now that your word will penetrate hearts, Lord. This word is for the church. Lord, you want us to be bold as we come to you because you're our Father. You want us to walk in confidence because you put your power inside of us. You put your your spirit inside of us, not to be timid, but bold. Lord, I pray today that in this moment of response, that you, God, will work in hearts and minds and set people free from old mentalities, legalistic mentalities, that you will silence the lies of the enemy because he's a liar. And Lord, I pray that your freedom, Lord, your freedom opens our mind to truth. Your freedom opens our mind to where we, we have sin and we need to confess. And your freedom opens our mind to our need for you. I pray that your freedom will open eyes today. And Lord, let people walk in the freedom that you so graciously gave us that you're not holding it back. It's not something to be attained. It's today. It's today. And Lord, I pray right now that that as we move into a moment of, of response and worship, that people will start to respond to you correctly, how you're leading them. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.